This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Me spending a second dwelling on their two f***ing cents isn't interesting to me because I believe in my two cents more than theirs. Mm. And oh, by the way, it's my life. And I'm spending zero f***ing seconds worrying about theirs. Welcome to the Jim Rohn Podcast, episode 16. What's going on? Time is flying. 16 eps in. The podcast is now old enough to drive. And before I take this whip out on the open road, I need to tell you how absolutely hyped I am to bring you this particular conversation. Because some of you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is. Some of you do not. And the best part of that statement is, whether you know Gary V or you don't, you're going to get something serious out of this conversation, guaranteed. Gary, is a venture capitalist. He's a four-time New York Times bestselling author. He's an early investor in companies like Twitter, Tumblr, Venmo, and Uber. He's the founder of the Vayner Sports Agency. He is a serial entrepreneur. He appears on Apple's first original series, Planet of the Apps, with Gwyneth Paltrow, Jessica Alba, and Will I Am. He is an entrepreneurial gangster, a force of nature. If this bio sounds like a mouthful, it's because it is, and I'm not even done yet. He's also the CEO and co-founder of VaynerMedia. It's a full-service digital agency that is absolutely killing it. He is one of the most in-demand public speakers on the planet, something you already know if you've heard him before. And if you haven't, you'll understand why once you hear Gary with a hot mic, not one that's controlled by the FCC. I am Team Gary V, obviously, and I am hyped to bring you this conversation. So everybody pot up. The Jim Rome Podcast starts after this message from my buddies at Omaha Steaks. Let me ask you something. Are you struggling to find the perfect gift for somebody who has it all? You are. I've got the perfect gift and the best way to avoid the malls, the lines, and the crowds. I'm talking Omaha Steaks. I used to be that guy. What am I going to get? What am I going to do? I never had the right idea until I found Omaha Steaks. And now for only $49.99, you can get my family gift pack when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter my code ROME in the search bar. That's 75% off. Omaha Steaks offers unique gifts for gourmet food lovers. Over 500 gourmet gift ideas. And right now, Omaha Steaks is giving an exclusive savings just to my listeners. Listen to everything that you get for less than 50 bucks. Two filet mignons, two top sirloins, two boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, four potatoes au gratin, four caramel apple tartlets, one Omaha steak seasoning packet, plus you get four additional kielbasa sausages for free. This deal is absolutely incredible. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter my code ROME in the search bar, and get a 75% savings. It is the gift guaranteed to be a hit. omahasteaks.com, enter my code ROME in the search bar, and get 75% off. Ever since we set up shop in this brand new state-of-the-art studio, I'm not going to lie now, my standards for everything have gone up. And let's be real, they were already pretty high. But there's something about seeing all this slick gear and shiny new equipment that has me wanting everything else to match the quality of what I'm looking at. Which, of course, brings us to... 
the voicemail. A dreaded three-minute segment tainting every single podcast I've already done. But there is no denying this, and I will always give credit where credit is due. It's getting a little better. A little. In fact, we're on a bit of a streak. For those of you keeping score at home, it's been three playbacks since I threatened to rip the court out of the wall once and for all and then take a Louisville to this thing. So can we keep it going? Only one way to find out. So for the first time in our brand new studio, let me hit play and let's see what we've got. You have 12 new messages. First new message. Hello, Mr. Rome. This is Bill from Toys R Us. I'm calling to inform you that uh, your services will not be required here at Toys R Us. As I understand, uh, you tend to make fun of people who look like giraffes. And as you know, our mascot is Jeffrey the Giraffe, goddamn national treasure. Message deleted. Next message. Jimmy, baby! It's Dickie V! Thanks for the podcast! This is awesome, baby! Message deleted. Next message. Magic blue. Magic blue. It's Christmas time in the jungle. Message deleted. Next message. Don again from Florida. The pigeon guy, he never lets me through, so I've been leaving voicemails. But uh, look forward to seeing you on uh, TV. Merry Christmas to y'all. See ya. Message saved. Next message. Jim, my name is Terry. I'm up here in Amherst, Massachusetts. Your voice, your intensity grabbed me right away. I wasn't listening to sports shows at the time. You are so, so far beyond anybody out there. I listen to sports now. You could be a Supreme Court justice. I would vote for you in a minute, but you know what? Boring. And we wouldn't get the, uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't get the benefit, quite frankly, of your takes and your, your perspective on things. Message saved. Next message. Oh, yo, Romy. It's Tyler Edmonton. Monday morning. Oh, the tiger bender was so worth it. Oh, he's back. Oh, my head. Uh, W-X-Y-N-Z. Message deleted. Next message. Hi, Jim. This is Andy from Rockland. I was just wondering if you know uh, what kind of gum Pete Carroll's chewing. Like, all right. Love you. Okay. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim, uh, I'm just calling on behalf of all Viking fans. Mark my words, Cleveland will beat Green Bay this week for their first win, ending all hope for uh, Aaron Rodgers' comeback and some magical uh, playoff run. It's over. Anthony Barr ended your season, and it's over. Live with the Packer fans. It's over. Message deleted. Next message. Yeah, Romy, Mike in Buffalo. Anytime your boy Gronk wants to bring that forearm shiver to the back of the head of the defenseless guy laying out of bounds, tell him he should come to Climax Tavern, 685 Oliver Street in North Tonawanda. We got about 35 guys there that are ready to take that dude down. Fuck him. Out. Message saved. Next message. Hi, Jim. It's Bella B in Calgary. Hey, there's a hockey game on TV tonight, so I'm going to make some chicken wings. I just wanted to know, should I just use Frank's hot sauce, maybe some honey garlic sauce, or some ding ding sauce? Message deleted. You have no more messages. Bella, you shouldn't have. 
Seriously, you should not have. Tyler, my man. I hope that Tiger Bender was worth it. Tied for ninth in an 18-man field. Drop that red polo off at Goodwill, and let's talk when he's playing in a tournament that he's not running the guest list on himself. Hey, Terry, what's up? Yeah, I've been called a lot of things, but Supreme Court Justice Van Smack is a new one. I appreciate the kind words, even if I'm not going to trade in this mic for a gavel and a robe anytime soon. Andy, what's up, girl? Welcome back. Don't worry. Nobody, nobody heard you last time. We deleted those voicemails, and congrats on forming a complete sentence this time. Love you, too. Hey, Bill from Toys R Us, come on. Look, I know I made an impact with that job interview that I scored on LinkedIn last week, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Giraffes are not a thing here. Never have been, never will be. Here is the thing, though. I always say, give me an A or give me an F, and that was like a D+. So, hot streak officially over. Voicemail back on the hot seat. But happy holidays, y'all. It is officially Magic Blue season here in the jungle. Let me guess, you are absolutely slammed right now with the holidays. It is the busiest time of year. So what do you have on your holiday list that you have to do? How many errands do you have to run? And what can I do to save you some time and make it all easier? By telling you about Stamps.com, of course. With the holidays almost here, who has time to make a run to the post office? It'll be busy with people sending holiday cards and gifts. So do what we do and use Stamps.com instead. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. Then the mailman picks it up. Stamps.com really is that easy. They'll send you a digital scale, automatically calculating exact postage. Stamps.com. Stamps.com. We even help you decide the best class of mail every time. You can print postage any day, anytime. Stamps.com is always open. I use Stamps.com because it is so easy and saves me so much time. And right now, you too can enjoy Stamps.com with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Rome. You are going to love this. That's Stamps.com, enter Rome. Stamps.com, enter Rome. So let me say a little bit more about Gary V. He was born in Belarus in the former USSR. And he and his family immigrated to the U.S. shortly thereafter. They settled into a single-studio apartment in Queens. Gary's father owned a liquor store. Pretty soon, Gary worked there, making two bucks an hour bagging ice, a huge downgrade from the jack that he was earning when he was wheeling and dealing baseball cards on the weekends. But the wine business was very good to Gary. And Gary was damn good at the wine business. And when he discovered the Internet... And he went off to college in the mid-90s. He turned WineLibrary.com and WineLibrary.tv into a multi-million dollar wine empire. Except he's about way more than just wine. He's about more than his legendary rants or speeches that you see on his daily YouTube channels. He's about self-awareness, gratitude. He's about doubling down on his strengths and punting his weaknesses. And he's asking you to do the same thing. I loved having him on my radio program. And I'm even more pumped to give him the extra time that he needs to breathe on this podcast get ready for a kick in the ass a kick in the ass that so many of us need and that gary v is more than happy to administer it is actually evening i'm in sweden uh my life is perfect other than new york jets are half pregnant and literally in cliche franchise situations 
the Giants were supposed to be a powerhouse this year, and they're going to go get a franchise quarterback, and we're going to draft an outside linebacker. That is incredible. And, of course, you're in Sweden. By the way, what time is it in Sweden right now? It's uh, 5.05 p.m. My man, always grind. All right, so Gary, plenty of people listening right now know your story, but not everybody. And I want to make sure that those who may not know your background know exactly who they're listening to. You're an immigrant from Belarus. You were born into a family of, well, as you'd put it, old school communist parents. So what was your childhood and family-like life growing up? You know, to be frank, it was awesome. We didn't have much, right? We immigrated to the States. We lived in studio apartments, a small townhouse. You know, my parents never bought me anything because spending money on toys or things like that would be crazy. We took one family vacation in my, you know, you know, from zero to 18. So there was a lot of things that, by a lot of people's standards, quote-unquote, wasn't great. But for me, it was great, right? I was an entrepreneur kid. I got to sell lemonade and baseball cards and and. My mom is, like, the most nurturing, like, um, disproportionately self-confident, a.k.a. delusional and optimistic because she was incredible. My dad is a piece of work on that stuff, a little bit more difficult, but he worked his face off and taught me work ethic. Um, And so I wasn't affected by my dad's negativity in my first 15 years. And then I was taught all the realities of what it would take to be successful by him. And so... I had a really good man. I, you know, I, I grew up in Jersey. I'm, I'm 42, so there's a lot of Nerf football outside stuff. Like, and then video games came along. A lot of Tecmo Bowl, like just good stuff. Like, unfortunately, I lost three of my four grandparents before I knew them. Back to the Soviet Union stuff, and so I didn't have a whole lot of death in my family. And, and I was in a household that allowed me to be an entrepreneur when that wasn't cool. And getting D's and F's in my house, though I got punished. I wasn't shit on, right? I was encouraged by my mom because I was flipping Frank Thomas' Leaf 90 rookie card. So, I um, to be very frank, I had it really, really, really good, but it wasn't kind of the thing that the soft Americana loves, like downtime. You know, I worked every day from eighth grade on, every summer day, every weekend. I didn't have after-school curriculum. I didn't have much of a social life. I was working either in my dad's liquor store or on my side hustles of what I was up to at the time. So that's who I was. Gary, so stay on your dad for one minute because it seems to me a good part of your success is your cult of personality. I mean, frankly, you've got tremendous it and charisma. You've got this great rap, really one of the best ever, but your dad, Sasha, he doesn't talk. I mean, like you've said it yourself, he literally (laughs) does not talk. So you've got this amazing rap, but your father and mentor doesn't even speak. How did that happen, and how does that work? You know, I think a lot of this is DNA. You've got it too, right? Like, some of this, like, when people ask you, like, your gift of gab, like, even the way you started this podcast, I do podcasts, I do interviews, like, there's a seamlessness. Now, a lot of that comes from your experience, but you had it when you were in San Diego and you broke the market. Um, You know, my dad didn't talk, right? I think my dad not talking was huge for me because I got used to creating content engaging with no feedback in return, which makes me good at radio, makes me good at video. Um, I had a breakthrough. Plus, my dad was tough. He believed in his old-school convictions. I'm pushing new, new ideas. And, you know, to be honest, you, you even bringing this up and thinking about it even a little bit more, a lot of what I do, which is selling new ideas in a format where I don't get instant gratification and response, it's just being put into the ethos, I think I developed that in my teenage years and early 20s with my pops 
and the other part of just with Gavin, it's that, and I appreciate, you know, kind of the kind words because I know you see a lot of people. And listen, I'm aware. I think I got it. But that's just DNA, right? That's mom and dad having sex at the right moment. <laughs> exactly, right? Let's talk DNA for a minute. And I want to go to your new ideas momentarily. But on this topic of DNA, I mean, you've got this drive. You have this fire. I really think it is uncommon. And the thing is, you don't turn it on and off or grind only when you feel like it. You're all in, all the time, no days off. If you could bottle it, it would be the greatest thing ever. So the question then, where does it come from? I mean, is it DNA? Were you hardwired for it? And did you pop out like that? Or are you a product of your environment and your experiences? And is that the result? Is that where the fire comes from? Yeah, I think it's, look, I, I, you know, I see, I share a lot of DNA with my brother, but he was third. We lived in America. I grew up in the wine business, so we grew up with, you know, my brother's first car was a Lexus. My first car was a $500 Monte Carlo I bought at a garage sale. Those are real life experiences. It doesn't make me better or worse than my brother. It's just different. And I think, look, whether it's Floyd or other people, I failed all my science classes, so I don't know the answer to this. But I know this nature-nurture thing has been figured out by much smarter people than me. Uh, here's what I would say. Not giving a shit about anybody else's opinion is the secret sauce, right? Like, if you really ask me to deconstruct why I think I'm going to win, I'm empathetic about other people's opinions. I respect other people's opinions, and I really do. I'm a listener for all my talking. At the end of the day, I just don't think it's practical to live my life by somebody else's North Star. You know, Gary, you you went to work for your dad in his liquor store, and then you implemented a bunch of new ideas, like you were selling wine online. You developed your own show on YouTube, which led to crazy media, an appearance on Conan O'Brien. Sales explode. You're off and running. But when did you first realize, I'm not really selling wine here. I'm selling me. Silver Oak and Mondavi are not the brand I am. You know, this is an interesting question, Jim. And I think, you know, what's cool about this podcast is we have a little more time and you know, what I've gotten to know about you after doing the radio show and then you and I had dinner and we exchanged some con- comments back and forth. You're a smart dude. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to actually give you this answer, and I'm almost more excited about how it goes through your mind and what you come up with next. I, I would tell you I'm aware of the Gary B phenomenon. And listen, let me, let me make it perfectly clear here. I think I'm going to be an all-time famous person. I think I understand distribution and awareness. I think I have an it factor. I think I have something to say. And I think it's positive, and I care about people. So it's going to make me end up very successful and very known. But I will tell you right this second, I still don't think I sell Gary Vee and I'm the product. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I like boxing a lot, right? I think Gary Vee is the jab, not the right hook. I think, I don't think I'm the product. I think I'm the opener. I'm the awareness builder. But I think VaynerMedia, my $200 million company, when I buy the Wiffle Ball Bat Company or Animal Crackers or Rolling Rock Beer, my ambitions are to buy a business in the next decade that's very big and then run it uh, and then flip it and then buy the New York Jets, right? And so I, I, I'm, I can make 10, 15, 25 million dollars a year being Gary Vee. That is fucking ridiculous. All time flattering. But I don't have interest in doing that. And, and you're, you're smart. And a lot of people listening to, you know, what's great about your audience is they're smart. 
my actions prove that. Yes, I write books. Yes, I travel and give speeches and get paid a lot. Yes, I do things like the case with Nico collaboration. But I'm spending 85, 90% of my time being CEO, Vayner X, and Vayner Media. And so I look at Gary Vee as the opener, the jab, the kind of, you know, maybe off-speed pitcher. Obviously, I know I'm talking to sport fans. Maybe the opening play 49-yard bomb attempt to set up short passes the rest of the game. I, 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 don't, I view it as a setup for my master plan, not the uh, master plan. You know what? I really understand where you're going with that. I would never even suggest that you only sell you and you sell nothing else. You sell a hell of a lot of stuff. But I think it certainly starts, Gary, with people buy into you. People buy into your point of view. People buy into the way you live your life. And then whatever it is you have to sell, I think people are a lot more likely to buy a, that. Yeah, no, that's a super smart observation. I, I would say, you know, to be really frank, I, I'm a little bit pissed right now because in a debate format, there's a part of me that's like, really, listen, you're not wrong. Like, you know, Gary Vee is the brand, and that's the halo. And then and then everything else is byproduct, whether it's Nike or Adidas or Apple or any brand. And so I, I can't argue that. I, can, I think maybe what, even in the way I answered it, I have such pride in being an operator and, and actually getting my hands dirty that I think at times I undermine the brand I'm building for the action of it. And so I'm not going to that counterpoint. I think there's real truth into that. I mean, the case, Tim, you're busy as fuck, but I also know that you're intrigued by me. Did you see the case list thing? I did see the K-Swiss thing. So let's talk about that for a minute. So now the K-Swiss thing is, for those who don't know, you've jumped into the shoe game. You've partnered up with K-Swiss on the Gary V 001-002s. It's a fascinating play. When did you first get the idea for a businessman shoe? You know, listen, my sneaker company, in a lot of ways, has always had it like roaming because I'm an 80s kid and grew up in sneaker culture. But it was the president party reaching out to me from K-Swiss and saying, we want to do this. You know, so the case was President Barney reached out to me and said, hey, I want to do an entrepreneurial shoe. And I was like, look, if you're serious, if this isn't just a me giving a shout out, if you're really in this for real, I'm super into it. And the same as I get planted the apps with Apple, even though I was worried about the distribution, I'm very fascinated by the upside of doing something first. And so I also have a thesis of buying businesses buying businesses that were once big, and then I refurbish them and make them contemporary. So all of a sudden, I'm staring this business meeting in the face where, one, I can rekindle K-Swiss, which I remember as an IG hip-hop brand from 1986, and two, I, I could really contemporize it with Instagram and my style, and, and three, if God forbid it worked, and the next 20 years, entrepreneurs have speakers. It's a lot of fun to be the goddamn Michael Jordan of that genre. Nobody else is going to be able to say they would. They had the first meaningful entrepreneur speaker. That's me now, and that's interesting to me. Gary, speaking of Jordan, I mean, you're obviously a big sneakerhead. You came up at this time. You're a big NBA fan. In your life, how many pairs <laughs> of Jordans have you owned? Uh, you know, I love you for the setup. I know because you know this answer, zero. And I will say this on the podcast because I know a lot of 42, 46-year-old East New Yorkers specifically listen to this. 
if you are a real Knicks fan and you are 37 years old to 51 years old and you've ever owned a pair of Air Jordans, you're a sellout and I hate you. There's no way you can do it. He's the worst. He killed us. It was the worst. He made me cry. I, you know, I've never owned a pair. I never will own a pair. Nobody in my family will own a pair until I die. I hate Michael Jordan. I mean, respect, Gary, respect. However, your son came across a pair of Jordans, right? I mean, you didn't tell your kid, we hate Mike, you can't have those shoes, did you? Or did you? Well, he was five. This was more of a rare faux pas by my wife. She bought him a pair, um, and I came home and threw him out. Unacceptable. Never touched his feet, thank God, because, you know, then he'd be contaminated. <laughs> Gary, let me ask you something. So as a businessman and an owner and an entrepreneur, and even a salesman. What should people do with your kicks? In other words, should they buy and wear, buy and then flip them for more, or do neither and just buy and hold? I think it's buy and hold, because I think I'm going to rule the world, and I think you'll get $1,000 a pair. And right now they're double the price on eBay and StockX. So I think it's a hold. All right, so let me ask you this. What colors do they come in? <laughs> uh, they're in green and black, and that is 100%. New York Jets uh, driven my first book, Crush It Green. All right, so Gary, lay that out. For those who don't know, I mean, plenty of fans live and die with their teams. It seems to me this is deeper for you. Why the Jets? Why is it this deeply personal to you? 1982, August, I moved to Edison. I don't speak English. A couple boys outside, Eric Godfrey, Robbie Turnick, um, Bobby Duffy, they're throwing around in their football. I come over, they, they take me in, they tell me that I'm a Jets fan. I listen. The Jets' 82 season for the NFL fans that might remember if you're older. They go to the AFC Championship game. Uh, AJ Dewey gets a couple picks. We don't win. But I think I'm on the right bandwagon. I was, I was wrong. We didn't get back until 98, uh, which we lost. I've watched the Jets lose four AFC Championship games. I can't even get to the dance gym, let alone like, win the dance. And so um, the Jets in America for me. They're my most consistent thing in my life besides my family that I know. I haven't missed a play since 82. My life revolves around it. I, you know, I got married in November. We went on our honeymoon in February in case the Jets made a playoff run. It's, you know, it's big. Like, it's real, real, real big. It is what, it is truly, like, by standards of common society, it is my religion. There is, much like an 81-year-old woman in the Deep South will never miss going to church on a Sunday, there's nothing that can happen. Funerals, weddings, literally, literally outside of my parents, my kids and wife, going into death on that moment, that cardiac arrest or accident, I will not miss a play of a Jets game in my life. Hmm. You know, Gary, you have a blog post from earlier this year, and you and I have talked about this, but the blog post is, The Day I Decided to Become Gary V. And you and I have talked about it, and you had an epiphany. You looked in the rearview mirror and said, my actions do not map my ambitions, a- ambitions, and you changed. Let me ask you something. I mean, that, that was a little over a decade ago. Between now and then, you have built and sold businesses. You've amassed a great wealth. I want to ask you, though, how much shit did you have to eat during that period to get where you are right now? So I love eating shit. The answer is a lot. You know, don't forget that, Jim, again, you know, Monday morning quarterback's easy, right? Like, I was 28 years old. So, first of all, for everybody to understand, I went to my dad's liquor business. I built up a $60 million business, and I own nothing of one library. I built a business for my dad, you know, because I wanted to pay him back, and that's what you do in immigrant family. So, here I am, 
I've, I've given up my entire 20s. Like, you want to talk about real shit? I gave up my entire 20s. No weekends, no banging chicks. Like, no, it was fun. No, nothing. Like, work in a store, retail. Every Saturday is the biggest day of the week. Like, gave up my, my social life, my 20s dude alpha DNA, left it on the table, went into my early 30s, now married, and still making 40, 70, 80, 90,000 dollars a year, solid, but building something of that wealth and then leaving at 34 with no money on paper. I can't go buy a better home because I have no equity in anything. Um, by all standards, not worth anything. Um, and then doing that whole time building this big business for my dad, having all my friends and acquaintances and my friends' parents say things like, oh, what's Gary, you know, asking my good friends from high school when they were 26, what's Gary Vaynerchuk up to? Oh, he works at his dad's liquor store. <laughs> like, like you know, you know, right now, in a world where A-list celebrities are reaching out to me, super smart and cool and historically successful people like you are fascinated by me, like, it's all easy now. I'm in the shit-eating business, Jim. I'm in the shit-eating business right now. Jim, more people right now listening to this are like, eh. Like, right this second, your audience, which, you know, I'm one of, but because of the certain thing I just said, or who the hell knows, because of the mentality of them looking for excuses, I, as, you know, it's a constant game of eating shit with more attention, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm getting called out on ludicrous shit. Like, you know how it is. I mean, it's it just, it's just part of the process. Anybody who's listening right now, if you have real ambitions, if you really want to win, the great thing to learn is how to eat shit, a.k.a. get used to people criticizing, understand that people default into cynicism. 90% of people are unhappy and they want to drag you down. And you shouldn't be mad at them. They're not trolls. You know, everybody who shits on me, I have empathy for because if they have energy to shit on me, they're in such a bad place for themselves that they want somebody else to be there with them. And I'm not mad at people on Twitter saying I suck or I'm for shit or daddy put me on. I feel bad for them. Hey, Gary, let's talk fuel then. Let's talk fuel because you don't achieve the level of success that you have the way you have in the time you have without folks coming for you. We know this. Anybody successful knows this. Much easier to kill somebody else than to actually do the work to better yourself. So what is your message to anybody doubting you, betting against you, underestimating you or shorting your stock, so to speak? What is your message to them? They may be right. How about that, Jim? They might be right. Or? Or I might be right. <laughs> like, what's really fascinating about this is my message isn't like, fuck you, or I'll see you at the finish line, which are 100% what goes through my mind. The market is the market. Like, either they're going to be right or I'm going to be right. I'm sure right now, knowing a lot about your career, you can go through a bunch of things in your head right now. And there's early days of radio with your personality of people that said no, Right. Or people that set shit behind your back. Yep. And let me tell you something. You know, I don't know you. We all, that, like, meaning I know you a little bit, but, like, everybody's different. I don't know everybody in the audience. For me, the way I'm wired, because I love competition, the I told you so, the, the score at the end of the game is extremely gratifying. It just is. And so what do I have to say to them? Um, I have to say, 
you may be right. I mean, people shit on me behind my back on this sneaker like you would not believe. And, and, they're, and they're right, right? Like, 42-year-old white businessman thinks he's going to make a swaggy sneaker that people at ComplexCon are going to want and line up in stores and break websites. They were right, I guess, until I was right. And that is the ultimate feeling. Like selling out in 11 hours, breaking Caseless website, having all the buzz, outselling the weekend and future sneakers. Like, now I'm right. And so what I say to them is they may be right, but me spending a second dwelling on their two fucking cents isn't interesting to me because I believe in my two cents more than theirs. Mm. And oh, by the way, it's my life. And I'm spending zero fucking cents worrying about theirs. Gary, my wife and I own some racehorses, so I want to ask you this, and it comes up all the time. We talk about this. Do you personally bet on the jockey or do you bet on the horse? Jockey. How come? So let me say this. We're, I'm speaking in analogy terms. You understand the horse game better than I do, right? And when I think about a horse, you know, I like betting on the ponies. There's a, there's a lot. I do believe that a horse comes along that is so much better as an athlete that even a B or C player uh, as a jockey uh, can ride it to victory. I would tell you that I think that's Phil Jackson's coaching career, and I'd love to get you two cents on this. I struggle with getting really fired up about the Zen Monster when fucking Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Shaq are your career. I think there's something to that, Gary. I really do. Because I don't care how smart you are, how brilliant you are. I mean, at that level, all those guys can X and O. If you don't have the Correct. athletes, you're not going to win shit. You're not going to win shit. Right. I, so when, and- I look, when I look at, you know, you know, Bill Parcells, who consistently walked into shit and turned stuff around... That's more fascinating to me. Like how, you know, like that's wild. Like, like that to me is interesting. So I want to be careful with the, with the jockey, but for me in business, in startup land, in operations, everything stems from the top. There is not a mistake to why the sports franchises that are winning are winning. And there's a lot of players and a lot of coaches, but ownership really matters because at the end of the day, Bob Kraft stole Bill Belichick from the New York Jets to be his coach, right? Like, that's real. Like, Bob Kraft secretly made a deal probably with Tom Brady, I'm saying probably, you know, to take lower pay because one day, miraculously, Tom Brady could have a piece of the Patriots and all along the way, they were bullshitting the, the salary cap, right? So that takes ownership. That takes balls. I believe in that shit. Hmm. Gary, let me ask you this. I know the audience. I know who's listening. I know our demographics. There's got to be some 50-something listeners right now thinking, I wish I had some of this 20 years ago. Now that I've got this kick in the ass, it's just too late. I'm too old. It's a young person's game. Is it, Gary, a young person's game? Jim, the fact that you know my content so well, I'm just going to say this, is so humbling. Back to the 0102, the way you're setting up these questions. Thank you, and thank you for doing this for your audience, and I'm glad we're getting to it. It's insane how practical it is to be 50 to 70 years old right now and actually build a business. Number one, if you're 57-year-old Rick and you wish that you got this jolt years ago and you quit your union job and would have started something and you're dwelling right now, flip that around. Rick, you're going to live for 40 more years. You're fucking young at 57. You may not think so. I get it. I'm, I'm only 15 years younger than you. I also grew up 
when you know when 70 was old and people died. But news alert: modern medicine, we're taking care of ourselves. A lot of you listening right now are going to live to 100, and you're going to be really comfortable and mentally in the game until like 85, 90. And if you're 54, that means 30 more years. The fact that you can still go pay your mortgage, pay your kid's college tuition by working your 9 to 7. But if you want, and this is up to you, I'm not telling you you have to, but if you want, the fact that you can build a business from 8 p.m. to midnight and get a little less sleep and watch a little less Sunday night football and watch a little less of Jim and I or listen to us and do something and build a brand on Instagram and Facebook around T-shirts or sport. I mean, the fact that if you're the biggest Montreal Canadiens fan listening to this right now and you could start an Instagram account, and I believe what I'm about to say, this is not bullshit. I wrote a book called Crushing in 2008 that talked about this, and now I'm writing a book coming out in January called Crushing It. This is my biggest belief. If you're a fucking 58-year-old Pierre listening right now and you're the biggest Montreal Canadiens fan, if you're willing to listen to me and understand how to do it, and put in three hours a night for the next four years, and you'll be fit fucking 61, right, when you come out. But the fact that you can make 100000 Canadian dollars in sponsorship and T-shirt sales around being the number one Canadian voice, Canada's number one Montreal Canadian's thought leader, the fact that for four years of quote-unquote eating shit, but I think you love the Canadians, and making content on Instagram and YouTube and doing a podcast around it is actually a joy, and that in four years, 57-year-old Pierre can be 61 and make 100K a year. And I know that's practical and that's real. Well, this is the greatest year of all time. Because Pierre's grandfather, Marcel, couldn't because the Internet didn't exist. One thought about your cards, your baseball cards. You made crazy money as a teenager slinging baseball cards. What was the best card you ever had and or sold? I'm going to go a couple places here. My favorite card of all time is 90 Frank Thomas. The, my best card or thing is, and it's a crazy story, so this is real hardcore baseball. People like this. In 92, I decided I was going to buy 10,000 rookie cards of a random player and make a bet, right? Like, now as a build, big, bigger dealer, I have some money. I'm a young kid, but I can make a bet. I want to buy a stock in a player. I've seen Frank Thomas. I've seen Ken Griffey. I saw Kevin Moss and Cecil Fielder spike out of nowhere. I understand the market. And I'm going into the 92 season, and I'm going to buy 10,000 rookie cards with somebody small and try to buy something for five cents and flip it for four bucks. That was the thesis. So I buy 92 Donruss box because it's the first set out. And I take out all the rated rookies because there's no internet. So I have no idea who the up and coming players are in the minor leagues. There's Baseball America, there's some magazine, sports news, but there's, really no, there's no data. For the kids that are listening, pre internet. Jim, tell him it was hard to find data. Right? Of course, impossible. I buy the impossible. I buy ninety-two dollars. I pull all the rated rookie cards, and then I do a game. I take all eighteen and I start a, almost like a March Madness tournament where I take two guys at a time and I flip them in the air. And whoever lands on heads advances. If they both land on tails, I reflip. If they both land on heads, I reflip. But if one lands on heads and the other lands on tails, they advance. I play this with the rookie cards. This is the kind of kid I was. Crazy. This makes sense to everybody listening. I get down to two guys. I read the back of their cards. The first guy is Patrick Lemon. He was an outfielder for the Blue Jays. Do you even remember that name? I don't even know if he made the majors. No. I don't right. remember him making it. Patrick Lemon. He had a shitload of homers in AAA. I'm like, all right, I actually really want this guy. 
The other guy is Kenny Lofton. Huh. And he's an Astro. So he wasn't even traded to the Indians yet for Asmus. Uh, and, and in the back, it says that he was the point guard of the final four Arizona Wildcats. So I was like, oh, that's cool. But he's not a, he's not a power hitter. And this is when power hitter, you know, that's the sport, right? Like, you know, Ricky Henderson and Vince Coleman rookie cards don't sell as well as Cecil Fielder and Frank Thomas. So I'm seriously rooting for Patrick Lemon. I flip and lost and wins. I go to the back of Tough Stuff, which was the number two magazine at the time behind Beckett. And I find a guy, in the back of the book, you'd see guys selling commons, and they would list them, two cents, three cents. I call all eight guys, and I buy up, I couldn't get a 10,000, I buy up about 4,000 Kenny Lofton rookie cards. Well, everybody who's listening knows what happens. He goes out and dominates as an Indian rookie. He should have won Rookie of the Year and give it to Pat fucking Listash. Um, but, but... What's really amazing about this story is the timing. So it goes, all the rookie cards go up to about 2 to $8 a piece, depending on which ones I bought. I go, my freshman year of, high, of college, I go to college, and I feel like the baseball market is about, card market is about to collapse. I want to sell them all. The fucking Indians get to the World Series against the Braves. Lofton's on an all-time high, and I sell all 4,000 of them to three dealers in Cleveland for an average of about $4.50 a pop. Holy shit. Real fucking money, kids. Real fucking money, kids. I got to let you go because I know you've got the next meeting to get to. I know this because when you and I had dinner in Los Angeles, sure enough, at 9 o'clock at night, you had another meeting to get to, and you're in Sweden. Gary, what is the best way? There's so many ways for listeners to connect with you. What is the best way to go about doing it? What do you suggest? I appreciate it. It's Gary B-E-E, Gary B-E-E on Instagram and Twitter, and just Gary on Facebook. That's, that's the jam. You know, it's so funny. Before I got my Casper mattress, I was a terrible sleeper. I would toss and turn all night long, wake up achy and sore and bitter. I never put two and two together. My old mattress was the problem. Then I got myself a Casper mattress. I have been sleeping cool and comfortably every night since. It has been a game changer, a life changer. Casper uses design feedback from over 500,000 customers like me. Their sleep scientists have taken that feedback and created a remarkably supportive bed. Casper's comfort foams guarantee that you sleep cool and provide the right pressure relief and spinal alignment so you keep perfectly balanced in cushiony comfort. Plus, Casper's support foam brings it all together with long-lasting durability that you can count on. It all adds up to giving me the best night of sleep I have ever had. Plus, Casper will let you try it for 100 nights in your own home risk-free. They ship it to you for free in a box so small you will not believe it holds the mattress. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it, and they will refund you everything no questions asked you deserve to have a great night of sleep every single night get a casper mattress like i did go to casper.com slash rome 50 use the code rome 50 and get 50 bucks off towards the purchase of your mattress casper.com slash rome 50 code rome 50 for 50 bucks off terms and conditions do apply bam we're out of here. I cannot believe we've banked 16 of these already, and I could not be more pumped to run down Gary V to add to the mix. Speaking of the mix, do yourself a favor. Check out the episode list on whatever podcast player you're using right now. I'm pretty confident you're going to find something worth dropping a needle on. 
Bob Costas, Harvey Levin, Aaron Rodgers, and about a dozen more that you can get caught up on right now if you haven't already. And one last thing. We are now in a dead sprint to TV. We will be there in exactly four weeks from the day that this podcast episode drops. So make sure you're ready to go with CBS Sports Network because we are a month away from taking the jungle to television. Lots going on around these parts. And the next time I'll catch you here will be on the 12th for episode 17. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting it. I appreciate you all very much. And I'll see you next time. I'm out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.